Welcome to the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. This is Amber. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast where you can gain the wisdom of Solomon, the strength of Hercules, the stamina of Atlas, the power of Zeus, the courage of Achilles, and the speed of Mercury just by playing our games. Shazam! <laughs> this week we are exploring the possibility of being a superhero in one of our games, and hopefully in yours. Mm-hmm. Trav is going to lead us now on our amazing journey for, to self-discovery and awakening of unseen potential. Trav, tell us about superheroes. Okay, superheroes are those men and women who decide to adopt an identity and go out and help people in one way or another. And their motivations are all different. Some, it is an ethical choice. I feel that I have these abilities or this ethos that I wish to make the world a better place. Some, like Batman, do so due to a grave injustice performed upon him, such as Bruce Wayne having his parents you know, mercilessly murdered in an alley. Some do so for a cause. Like they may be like the Black Panther in Marvel Comics, where he is defending his nation of Wakanda. Superheroes are also our modern day mythology. There has probably not been a kid who hasn't played superheroes with their friends, you know, tying a sheet around their neck and pretending they're Superman. We just don't want them like lighting themselves on fire and trying to be pretend the human torch. Or jumping off second story windows. Superheroes. They are. They are modern-day mythology. I mean, the Superman symbol and even the Batman symbol are known worldwide. If you show that in any on any of the six continents, they'll know. I mean, they've pervaded our culture that much, and recently with the, the influx of superheroic movies, especially this year's uh, Avengers, they're on the public consciousness in a big way. This is a good segue... To how do you play superheroes with everybody else? How do superheroes play well with the other kids? Well, I think the first thing is how to teach them to not show off. There's a difference between using your skills and just being a jerk. The way that I see it is, if you look at it, when you have an archer who excels at using a bow, you have a, a warrior who excels at using weapons, you have a superhero who excels at using his supernatural powers but there's a difference i think between using your skills to benefit the group and using your skills just to say look what i can do because you have this power at your disposal to use almost nearly freely i think if you're going to play a superhero there should be some sort of limitation to how often how frequently how much of the power you are able to use at any given time otherwise just having one superhero at some point in the campaign, it could just be such an overclass that you won't need the rest of the party. So what incentive is there for everyone else to play along when you have this superhero? That's exactly where I was going. I was, you know, if the game master is going to allow someone to play a superhero, right? And you've got all these other players who have made up their characters and they're playing like normal people or whatever you got to give something to the other players or take something from that player or he has to be one phenomenal player in your group and he has to develop the character with either some kind of set of flaws or ethos. Or they have to be modest. Right. Well, that's what I mean. He has to, he has to have some kind of – something built into that character to make it so that he doesn't always outshine them. Uh, and it it could be something like, you know, every time he uses his powers, it's painful to him, or maybe he feels guilty for using his powers whenever he does. 
Or maybe he has people hunting him and using his powers bring well, them one step closer here, to finding him. If we're going to get nuts and bolts, this is where we have to get into the fact that it's how you're, how the rule systems you using support superpowers. It doesn't have to be that way, John, because you know there are very good character reasons why somebody would limit themselves in their use of their powers. It has nothing to do with the system. And I was going to respond to what you were saying, Blakes, and that is, is that if you played a character whose powers are granted by a by a deity, then there would be the whole question of the appropriateness of using this power in this at this time for this reason. Right. You know, th- this doesn't even have to be a superpower. I mean, if you look at the whole um, Japanese and Chinese warrior mythos, you know, soiling one sword on a unworthy opponent was reason enough not even to pull your sword. Well, you know, and I, and that's something we didn't mention that I wanted to mention and I forgot about it in all our discussion is that, you know, you got all the 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 Asian movies where you have these uh, you know, you have like uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That was their superheroes. That's another type of superhero that we didn't cover, but we can, we can talk about it right now. The enhanced martial artist. Yes. You know, you can say Chi or you can say Sonics or, you know, it depends on how you define it. You can define those powers that they do however you want. Uh, and it falls under the same categories that that we've already talked about. You know, you have to decide as a game master, does Chi work everywhere or, or whatever, whatever happens, you know, whatever makes you feel well. You have to admit, though, that does fall under the same auspices of magic, though. Yeah, it does. No, no, it depends on how you define it. I disagree. It sounds more like Sonics to me. However, however you want to do it. I, and then there's all the magical girl anime out there. I mean, mm. going to Jedi's with the Force. I mean, it's the same thing. They're superheroes. But the, the point I'm trying to make here is that, and Bruce, I totally agree with you. This is where I was going with this. Is that if you build into your character and you you make this social contract with the other players, look, I am playing a guy who can do some crazy stuff. Okay, he's he's gonna be more powerful than everybody else in the party because I've chose to play this character from another world. You guys are all playing Idec guys. Let's see, you're playing Idec guy too, and he got killed on some world, and you decided, well, I'm gonna play a new character and I'm gonna make him from this world that you guys were were, were at, and he's gonna be a superhero or he's gonna be a Jedi or whatever. You could build into that character to make it fair for everyone else. Yeah, I'm only going to use my powers very sparingly because of some ethos or code that I have. So like, for example, let's say you're going to play like a really good Jedi. It's like, why don't you do one of your Jedi tricks on him? It's like, I cannot do anything for personal gain. You know, so it's like your hands are always tied. You can only use your powers in certain situations. Oh, now, yeah, the Jedi were not. These are not the droids you were looking for? Yeah. Move along, yeah. They were, yeah. they were not supposed to use the Force unless it was absolutely necessary. They were supposed to be diplomats first and foremost. And if they drew a lightsaber, if it, it's like pulling a gun in real life. If you pull it, you better intend to use it. It was always to defend the innocent. It was never as to attack, always in defense. Well, yeah, but I mean, usually their first thing was, okay, diplomacy. Try to talk the enemy down. If not, you, then use the Force. Mind control. If that doesn't work, you pop the blade. Right, it's like it's like, hey, you know, we got to break into this place. You know, could you like mind zap that guy so he lets us in? It's like I cannot do that. This is not for a noble cause. You know, it's like that's for personal gain. You know, and it's just like you can never use your powers when we need them. You know, it's it's one of those things. You know, and it would actually it would be, it would be kind of funny because it's like you know the other players they wouldn't be jealous of your powers. They'd be pissed off at you because you'll never use them when they really would like to use them. What's the point in having you if you can't even do this? It's all how you look at it. And, and John, you're right. If you don't have the right kind of player who can do that attitude, who can play the character with all the character flaws and stuff, then we have to go to system. And we have to say, how can the rules limit this guy? Yeah, and each system is different. I mean, like with Savage Worlds, the limitations are actually built in. In some cases, the superhero is no different than a guy with a really good gun. Right, right. Yeah, because you have to spend all these points to be a superhero. Yeah, you have to spend all these points, and the GM has the option of making it. You have to spend power points. Yeah. In fact, you you may be even worse than the guy with a with you know you may be like a guy with a six shooter, and you got no other bullets right. for us today. Right. You know. In D twenty, God, there's so many different ways that they do superpowers. Mutants and masterminds. That's a D twenty based system, isn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah, but that's not the only one. I mean, Green Ronin puts that out. There's Blood Vigilance by RPG Objects. There's the Trinity Universe games, Adventure, Aberrant, and Trinity by White Wolf. There's 
Powered Hero Evolution from Scorched Earth Studios, which is the one I use in mine. Mm -hmm. There are many different D20 mechanics that were made for superhero games just in the D20 alone. Oh, yeah, and then you have the newer systems like the uh, Margaret Weiss uh, Marvel, Marvel uh, role-playing game. Yeah. Which uh, you really can't play normals in that game, really. We're, we're thinking superhero games. So then, there's, then, of course, there's everyone's favorite hero, hero system. We're forgetting Savage Worlds here, man. Necessary evil. Oh, actually, the superhero supplement, which came out for the, for the new edition, uh, the deluxe edition, the superhero supplement actually covers all kinds of different power levels. You actually can have a super who's basically only based on five points versus twenty-five points. So you actually can build a low-level superhero who has a one power. I have one power. I can blow holes in the wall. That's it. That's still a good power, man. I'm reminded of uh, also. I believe it was under mutant masterminds. Are you guys familiar with the wild cards shared world anthology series? Yes, wild cards, yes. That's another one, and that is mm-hmm. a bioengineered virus that changes you on a genetic level. Now, they have aces, mm-hmm. who are the ones who have these superhero powers, the jokers, who really don't have a power, but their bodies are deformed. Then you have the deuces. You have a power, but it is so... It's such a poor power that... What's your power? I can change the color of fruit. That's your power, really? <laughs> this Why? reminds me of little Nikki. You can turn that Coke into anything. You turn the Coke into a Pepsi. That was your big transformation? <laughs> that reminds me of Cyber Generation. Do you remember that? That was a, a cyberpunk uh, offshoot. Characters had different cybernetics that could do specific things. Yeah, and then you had the Mystery Men. Uh, I'm talking about the movie, not not the Flaming Carrot, which is a little bit different. No, the Mystery Men movie. It's in that same universe, John. The Mystery Men movie was based on the whole Mystery Men Flaming Carrot universe. Yeah, but if you listen to the author, the, the, the artist of the book, he says, yeah, he, he totally um, he wrote it off. He says, it's not my universe. It's someplace else. I would say that Mystery Men, the movie, those are great fringeworthy characters. Their powers aren't, they're not anything over the top. Yeah, they're mystery men. You, you had the you had the invisible boy. You can only be invisible if you don't look at him, right? Which I thought was stupid, but then when he used it, I was like, "Oh no, that's kind of cool, actually." It, it comes in handy. And the spleen, <laughs> dude. I would I would play the spleen in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> the tick. I think the tick is really super powerful. He's like indestructible. He's nigh invulnerable. Yes. No. No. No, no, Blix, Bruce, get it right. He's just too stupid to feel pain. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Another good example is if you look at if you look at uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman. Those are good level. That's a good level superhero campaign for a French worthy type group. In superhero parlance, that will be known as a street level superhero. They have gadgets. Their skills are to a point where they can do things that would seem super heroic. Like their acrobatic skill, they might be able to leap a little farther. They're just highly trained, gadget-laden heroes. Bruce Wayne's a billionaire with a with a military R and D department. You know, we're talking like we were talking before about Watchmen. You know, minus Doctor Manhattan. You know, the rest of those guys are fairly normal. I mean, maybe a little advanced here and there, except for Ozymandias. Yeah, I, I argue with that because according to the, the Word of God, from more is that Ozymandias is just a peak human. Wait, 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 wait. Ozymandias comic book, yes. Yes. What they did to him and all the other characters in the movie, no. In the movie, they were superheroes, and I will argue that to death, because the way they were mowing through people was just ridiculous. I mean, I liked it. I I liked it. Alley scene? Oh, yeah, they were taking names, and they weren't running out of ink. I mean, they were those two. Well, and dude, the Al 2 has anti-gravity, okay? I'm sorry, but that dude is super smart. That's super smart. Because it's 1985 and he's got anti-gravity. Ozymandias, uh, Bruce and I were discussing this about uh, the Watchmen movie version of Ozymandias. He would have to have super intellect. Because if you saw how he fought, he had heightened reflexes, heightened reaction time. The man could watch 200 TVs at once. He was able to absorb sensory information. He had super speed. That's what I mean, the heightened reflexes and reaction time. He would have to have all that. To keep up with, if you had super intelligence, if you had a super hyper intelligent brain and your body was not up to it, 
you would probably be insensate and immobile because you wouldn't be able to super, there would be too much sensory right. information for your body to, to try to, you know, control and manipulate. The biggest argument we had was, of course, was the, the bullet catching sequence, which in the comic book, if he starts turning before the gun's fired. He's not reacting to the gun shot. He's reacting to the person about to fire the gun. Which makes a big difference in, ke- uh, in catching the bullet, and I, th- I would wager that he probably shattered his hand in the process of catching that bullet. But nonetheless, uh, we're talking about a fringe-worthy game. We're talking about you know playing these as characters, which are bigger than life, of course. And any one of those characters, minus Doctor Manhattan, would be easily integrated into any group, and I don't think anyone would complain. I think you know, especially especially in Savage Worlds parlance, because in Savage Worlds. Everyone is really kind of a superhero. Even using out of the book Savage Worlds martial art rules, anyone with martial arts is hell on wheels. Yeah. They can really do some damage to people. They're, they're not considered unarmed around armed people. So that right there is a major is a major benefit. They can just get up close and personal and do some damage to people. And with the expansion I'm doing with the uh, Savage Worlds game, they can get even more personal with that up uh, with those people. <laughs> You know, and I actually had a character uh, kill a raptor by breaking its neck using martial arts. Sounds <laughs> like a personal problem. <laughs> ah, sounds like a personal bad ass guy. Where do we go from here? So we've defined the superpowers and how to play them, and we've we've talked about how to integrate them into into a party. What else do we need to cover? Well, first of all, I it depends upon your point in the campaign and how you run your campaign for this even to be an issue. Because by the time you get into the late campaign where you've got all kinds of Tamelaran gadgets and you've been mm. pulling in all kinds of high-tech stuff from other worlds, superpowers may not be any big deal. True. Well, first of all, positive 86 Prime, you're not going to be finding this until the late middle campaign at best. Unless you accidentally hop a train. Right. Yeah. But early in mid-middle campaign... Superpowers are going to be a big deal. You're going to have the. It's like, yeah, we have guns. We've got a big Hummer. We've got maybe a crystal key. This guy can fly under his own power. Just recon alone takes on a whole. Let's give him binoculars and a walkie-talkie, and he can go to town. Yeah, we just split our recon time in like a third. He's a telekinetic Superman. Basically, he uses telekinesis, which means he also can make himself. Semi-invulnerable bullets. Well, check this out. Let's say you're getting into the later campaign, and you've got a guy who's been specializing in Tremelin technology and learning how to use in crystal use, right? So you've got a guy, and I know through play, you're going to one-up all the time. So by mid to late campaign, you're going to have somebody with a very high-level crystal. Those crystals work on every world no matter where you go. There is no limitation on where they work. And if you know how to really work a crystal, you've got a lot of powers under your command if you've got a high-level crystal. And Paul Nunz is continually trying to add more crystal powers. I know. I'm seeing. (laughs) And and nothing against Paul. We applaud you for coming up with new ideas. We, We give you an A for effort. But I'm looking at these and just glancing them over and just giving what Laura would call the hairy eyeball. <laughs> well, you know, fine crystal, fine crystal I actually kind of like because, you know what, it makes crystal fi- crystal key finding a lot easier then. Oh, yeah, fine crystal, okay, I can, that, that yeah. Well, all the powers that he's suggesting, okay, it's uh, it's fine. It's it's one of those things where if, if you don't see these kinds of abilities of coming into your game any other way and you really want them in there, then this is one way of adding them to them. I think that we should take a really hard look at some of these powers and decide how appropriate, inappropriate, and level of difficulty of being able to bring these puppies in. We don't have to just because they haven't been in the game for 25, 30 years doesn't mean they can't be in the game now. Can somebody who was born and raised on Earth Prime, never, never been on another platform, never been in another world, is it possible for them to, upon going to a different platform, find themselves with a superpower that they didn't have on Earth Prime? It, it, it feels a little bit like a plot tool, but that could be a, a quick way of getting a superpower that you didn't have. Because on Earth Prime, where they've lived their whole lives, they didn't have this power. But suddenly, they do. 
Oh, the, the, my, my my favorite one for that is is the defective Turbellon Autodock. You get inside, and we're not quite sure what's going to come out. <laughs> it's like the transmogrifier in uh, Red Dwarf. I want to be man plus, and he ends up six inches tall. Yeah. <laughs> Just imagine, you know, you, you've got other things, too. You've got Turbellon Metal, which you can make swords and armor out of. Just all this technology, Turbellon technology that you could find that would... And Commonwealth, I mean, forget Turbellon... The Tamilan weren't big into weapons. You could find Commonwealth weapons that are ridiculous. So, so you could have. You know, it's like, yeah, great. You're a superhero. Fantastic. The, the weapons they developed for the Miller workers, as soon as they turned off the big system, a lot of the a lot of the nasty weapons stopped probably stopped working because they probably made use of the big system to function. But you know, even the the Lolo stuff is going to be heads and shoulders above anything you can hope to ever imagine to, to have. They've already discovered stuff that you know they've they've got carbon nanotube chain mail and you know and all you know all that kind of crazy stuff. Single crystal iron swords. Yeah, there you go. Right, it's one molecule thick and super strong and will slice through just about anything. And it's like, oh, that's great. Oh, that's cute. That's cute. You have a little superpower there. <laughs> you know. Oh, 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 you're pretty strong. Let's see. Oh, oh, I cut you in half. Oh, that's yeah, that sucks. Wait a minute. Don't we all? But he have something like that here, like, here in our world, our real world, like barbed wire that will slice through anything? No, we do not. Nah. Have that. Nope. If you read my adventure, The Light in the Dark, in the Infinite Crossroads newsletter, which is available by uh, TriTag Games on a PDF, the whole point of the adventure was to allow people to introduce superpowers to their character. Okay. Go to the world, you get changed by something that happens on this world, you start being able to absorb this energy that is flooded into the world every day. It gets spread out evenly amongst all the people that have this ability. You can store some of it in your body, or you can uh, store some of it into objects. So it's possible for someone who is fringeworthy to therefore then take this power with them and use it on other worlds until they use it up. Because we were also we should consider okay, we're integrating it into a fringe team. How about integrating one of these guys into a Bureau Thirteen team? Oh yeah, yeah. You have Captain Zug Island who's con- be able to control slugs, you know, and he gets you know recruited into the Bureau. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, superheroes are superpowers are just another form of of the supernatural in the Bureau Thirteen universe. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. you can, you know, a guy who shoots. Heat vision out of his eyes due to a genetic mutation. Oh yeah, that that would fit perfectly into a Bureau Thirteen team. In the later campaigns, you know, you might, you know, you've already, you might already be done with all the Meller stuff, and you might have somebody who's like, "Oh, Mystique, that's a really cute power that you have there," and you're you actually are playing an old Meller. You know, they've already found the cure to the whole Meller virus and stuff like that. It's like, oh, that's really cute. You could turn into people. Nice. Slark bite them. Yeah, right. Well, I'm just saying. It's like it's like. Do you get their memories? How many forms can you hold? And can you you know can you drain people? Can you? Oh, you can't do any of that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. You know, there's all kinds of stuff. Or you might let's say you're playing a slarg. As games go, you know things change and people come up with new things. And you know maybe you're playing a slarg who's had his. Uh, you know he's he's not he's not fearful. You're playing a mutant slarg who doesn't have that fear gene in him. And if you don't have that, slargs are actually pretty tough little puppies. I mean, they are arguably already superpowered. They have 360-degree vision. They basically can see through any object as long as it's permeable in any way. Right? And yes! Captain Bacon! Bacon! <laughs> the Savage Worlds version of the slarg, if you remove the fear factor, he is actually a bad mofo. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I mean, come on, this this is a dog that is like five feet tall at the shoulder. This is as if a man were to be sitting at like a dog. That's how big these slargs are. Well, well, don't forget, Trav, they were actually invented to be a weapon against the Meller. They're actually very, very tough creatures. If not, if not for the fear factor, they would be bad mamajamas. They had to be able to endure the attacks by a Meller long enough for them to get in and do that bite. Oh, yeah. You remove that fear factor, and they are tough. It depends on when you want to play the superhero, when you want to introduce them. You know, you're talking later campaign, and it's like, you know, it's no big deal introducing a superhero because you can bring him in, and he's going to be mixed in with 
you know, all this other stuff that's going on. You got somebody from Bureau 13 who's a uh, a major wizard of some kind. You've got someone playing, a, a, you know, a, an old Meller who's been cured. You've got, um, I don't know, you, any number of things. Somebody running around in super high tech. Common, a commonwealth technology, or, or maybe you're playing somebody from a cyberpunk world that uses biomechanics. So uh, they have these really powerful cybernetics that don't shut down the fringe path because they actually run off his own bioelectrics. You know, so it's it's not you know it's it's not an undoable thing. Or, or you have basically you you find yourself on Termel, on some Termelon world where you basically get biopowered cybernetics replacements. Uh, you have to eat like a pig to keep them powered, but yeah. And then, of course, you'll have the one person who's managed to keep their fringeworthy character in a Savage Worlds campaign long enough that he's actually playing a legendary character. And he's not a superhero, and he's not, he's not anything special other than the fact that he's legendary, and he has legendary feats, and he's going to feel like a superhero. Because, John, you know, some of those legendary feats... Uh, you're, you're super pretty legendary. Oh yeah, I, I remember seeing them when I had to make uh, uh, Duke Williamson for um, the Gen Con and Dragon Con games. The the jock and military guy who despised tech geeks. Oh yeah, I was reading through some of the legendary feats. They were actually quite impressive. Yeah, that was my first time I ever cracked over the Explorers edition for Savage Worlds. I was like, wow, okay, this is what yeah. you'd have to look forward to. Cool. The one thing that you consider about introducing a a superhero into a fringeworthy team is that if they're really playing as them as a superhero, they have a point of view. And that point of view is not necessarily going to mix well with the fringeworthy team IDET goals. True. That's true. They come into the world, let's say Pax Romana, they see some centurion putting the smack down on a lowly slave, it's clobbering time. Right. It's like, but you're going to interfere with the cultural, cultural, smultural. I have to save this person. We're trying to make friends here. <laughs> right. Right. We don't want to make friends with these types of people. That's everybody on this world. Well, this whole world is immoral. <laughs> right. I think that someone who's playing a four color superhero is going to have a fair amount of difficulty dealing with the whole kumbaya, let's get along with everybody attitude that IDET tries to bring across. You know, Not to say that they are, uh, what's the term, uh, we're appeasers. They are not evil appeasers in any way, but they have a tendency to let's actually look at what's going on here for a while and make sure we understand what's going on here for a while instead of having a knee-jerk reaction, which is what seems to be the modus operandi of most superhero storylines. Yeah, actually, yeah, they, they leap they leap before they look a lot of times. Especially if you're, if you're talking about something like Captain America. You know, Captain America is not to be reasoned with. He does what he does. Cribbins played him where he was, okay, we need to do this and this and this. You need to do this. This is what you need to do. So he was an action, but he was not impulsive. He had it in his mind, a plan. Okay, this, all this stuff needs to be done if we attain this objective. Whenever I think of Captain America, I think the best Captain America that's ever been done was in the Ultimate series. Because they transitioned a guy from the 40s into the modern era. And they stole some of, of that Ultimate's Captain America for the movies. But in the Ultimates Captain America, he was the guy from 1945, right? And he, and he comes to the modern age, and he has such a hard time in the modern age because there's just things you don't do you know, from, from back then and things you do do from back then that you don't do today. So if he saw like a, a woman in distress, tactics, schmactics, he's going to go save her because that's what you do in the 40s. You're a real man, you know, and, and he wouldn't have a problem slugging somebody for saying something the wrong way. He would knock them out. And he wouldn't think twice about it because that's what you did in the 40s. That's his mindset. And if you insulted somebody in the, in the 40s and you got slugged for it, well, you pretty much got what you deserved. You didn't go to the cops and I'm going to press charges on you. You know, you took your, your whipping like a man and uh, that was how it was done. Yeah. yeah. Every origin story for him, he was, well, pretty much like he was in the movie, uh, uh, you know, sickly, not too, you know, not too strong guy, you know, and he was always the butt of jokes and always picked on. I would say he had a little bit of the reverse bully syndrome that you would probably yes. get, but he also had a very big sense of injustice and he knew what injustice was. Yeah. If he saw injustice, he was, yeah. 
Yeah, he, he was all over that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Another problem I would see with a superhero would be the uh, natural tendencies to assume that you should become the leader because you are a superhero. Right. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I kind of think that that would be, depending on the type of superhero, I don't necessarily think that would be the case. Because in, in cases like uh, Spider-Man, Peter Parker, he didn't he did it because he had to, not because he really wanted the fame and glory. I, I think that there's a difference between being part of the team and being the team. Pip, he originally did. Remember, he was into, yeah, I want to make money and all this, and I want to do this. And then he came across, could if I would have stopped a guy who robbed, you know, the cash you till I was wrestling, my Uncle Ben would be alive today. Hence, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. That's where that came from. Yeah, he's still a wise cracking, you right. know. Right, but, but the thing is, is when he was being irresponsible, that was before he really came into his own as a person. I'm going to function with the assumption that uh, a superhero that's in the campaign isn't going to be freshly acquired powers. They're going to know what they are, know how to use them. They've already done their mistakes, and they know they have that weight on their shoulders of what will happen if they're not responsible. Well, that that depends on what type of superpowered being you're playing. Now, if you're playing, okay, we're getting this character, I want to play a character from Positive 86 Prime, he's one of these psionic-based heroes, and yeah, I'm going to uh, play him as he's had it all along. That's different from... Hello, my character is a fringe-worthy character, and because we stopped in this world and this evil scientist kidnapped me and injected me with this serum, I now have powers. Now, he may have the ethics to use his powers properly just because he was raised to be a decent guy, or he could, you know, go through and it's like, oh, cool. Let the power get to his head. Right, exactly. Like the comedian. If you're going to use a superhero as an example, I think you need to make a distinction between solos and people that work in teams. Characters like Spider-Man are basically solos. Therefore, you know, how well are they going to integrate? Well, they don't integrate well with teams in the superpower world that they're from, so therefore they, you know, the, the issue may be kind of moot to them. But other superhero characters who seek out others of their own kind to form teams to you know, those are the characters that I think that we're really talking about. You know, because they're gonna they're gonna want to join your team. They're gonna want to, you know, get in. Uh, otherwise, they're gonna go out to the fringe pass. They're gonna wander out a little bit, and they're gonna go walk about. They're not gonna try to integrate with you. At the same time, they're not gonna have these. The first time there's a problem, they're probably gonna say, you know, this is really too much trouble for me to deal with. I, I you, know, you do your thing, I do my thing. So, the issues I'm bringing up are really more about people who want to integrate with a team, yet they have something about their outlook or their nature that makes them want to take uh, leadership. I think also having a character who has command abilities. I mean, this is something that actually is present in uh, uh, Savage Worlds. You actually can take traits like command, or 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 you can take – there are feats that are appropriate like for being a person in charge of soldiers or like that, or I can't remember. It's been a while since I played D20. Uh, but, you know, basically, if you have a like Captain America, three of the people on his team could have just smushed smush him flat and they felt like it. You know, and they didn't because he was in command. He was, the, he was the person, he was a soldier. He was the one who knew how to order people around. He was in command. Uh, you know, when whenever Batman's on a team, technically, yes, there's Superman over there, but we, everyone looks to Batman when they, have, when they have a question because he's the one that actually knows what to do. And it doesn't have to be a superpower in this kind of situation. We've talked about this before, about characters who come from royalty, characters who come from high society, and in their, or uh, worlds where there's a, a strict caste system. And they come out and they get onto a team and they look at everybody else as being lesser than they are and should listen to them by dint of their birth. This is also, well, we can hearken into the high-tech, low-tech uh, campaign where it's like, oh, I come from more evolved and light society. You come from one uh, I consider primitive. Therefore, you know, we can hearken to that as well. Yeah. I don't necessarily think Batman would be a good example. I know that 
he had his uh, butler, Alfred, was it? Yes. 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 Yeah. In my experience in watching Batman, he's always deferred to what Alfred has to say, Alfred's opinion. And I've always kind of seen him as humble. He may not necessarily listen to other people, but he really did value Alfred's opinion on things. What was it that Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. said at playing Alfred in the animated series? I would very well hope so, sir. I diapered your bottom. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Al- Alfred is the only person he defers to like that. Yeah, he's a surrogate dad. But Alfred, in all, all intents and purposes, Alfred is Batman's father. Yeah. At this point, we have to we have to think about where do you go with these superhero characters? I mean, like, okay, so so you're, you were playing a superhero and you decided to leave your world to travel with this fringe-worthy group. Why did you do that? You were you were a superhero fighting crime. Now I know there's some some you know very reasonable easy ways to answer this. And I'm going to put this to the group, and that's why I'm I'm bringing this up. But why did the superhero leave his superhero world and his superhero life fighting crime to join a fringeworthy team team and travel throughout the fringe pass? Well, here's a good question: Did the fringeworthy reveal themselves to that world, does or at least to the uh, powers that be in that world? Do they know what's out there? That's that's a good point. It could be that he's at first when they found his friends worthy, and he's the ambassador of their world of that world. Wouldn't a <sighs> superhero, by their very nature, be recruited into Fringeworthy? Yeah, but he's got to go on his own will. Why? No, I'm, I'm, I know why they would invite him. Yeah, right. But it does seem an incentive that they would know that Fringeworthy exists because at some point an offer had to have been made because of what they could bring to the team. Oh, sure. That's that's not the question. No, that's easy. <laughs> that's really easy. Right. I, I just I don't necessarily see the superhero going out of their way to say, I've heard of this place that's Fringeworthy. I want to join them. I kind of think that they'd be approached by Fringeworthy. Oh, sure. No, 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 no. Let's just make that assumption the Fringeworthy approached him because they, they've – I'm going to assume that that world didn't even know they had a fringe path, but the fringe where they discover him say, hey, you are a superhero and you're fringe worthy. Would you like to travel with us? The question becomes, why did the superhero leave his his home world where he was fighting crime and doing good and and helping you know the citizens of his world? Why would he leave that world? I mean, you know, he he's seen as a protector of that world. You take like Superman. Like, why would Superman leave Earth? I would see a, a superhero leaving their Earth behind. Because let's say you bring the superhero in during, say, the Melor. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, there's a race of alien shapeshifters that could come and take over our world. He's taking the battle to them. Or right. worse yet, the Coptics. Mm-hmm. Right. Militaristic yeah. army wanting to take over a bunch of worlds, take the battle to them. That's probably the main reason why most superheroes would want to go out. Whatever big bad you have in your campaign at the time... The hero's going, they're getting it on the jaw because most likely they did something to my world. And that would be the number one reason. Of course, and this is where I'm going with this because I, I have a follow through with this, you see. Are you willing to entertain a dissenting vote on that? Sure. Go ahead. Go, Bruce. Uh, let's take uh, your positive 86. Lots of people have superpowers. Let's say you're not the pinnacle of superherodom. Uh-huh. Maybe you're somebody more like the Mystery Men. Sure. Your power. No big deal on your planet. Yes, you're doing a job. Yeah, you're out there work and fighting the good fight. But if I go out there on the French Pass where most worlds do not have superpowers, now I'm rocking. Yeah. So little fish, big pond. Yeah. Also, you approach Batman, he'll just certainly turn you down. Superman, he'll turn you down. Well, maybe. Depending on what's going on. Because if you're talking about like Mellor threat or Coptic threat, maybe he wouldn't. Maybe he would go fight that. With Superman, he goes, so I have 18 hours, you know, so says that I have 18 hours before I lose my powers. Where are they? Okay. <laughs> Five minutes later, okay, that problem's taken care of. <laughs> I hate to say it, that's the way you do it. You just, I hear you. you. No, no, I hear you. Yeah, he'll crack light speed on the, on, the, on the pathways. What I was thinking is, is that if you have a superhero who, who would join the group to fight the greater evil that's out in the French Pass. Now, I'm going to assume this is a superhero that's still going to have his powers in the French Pass. That, that's where I'm going with this. He would leave so that he could fight the bigger bad. Like he would, he would say, oh, you know what? i got all these problems in my world, but there are other superheroes in this world that can fight those problems. We've got this other problem out here that none of them can go on because they're not French-worthy. 
but I can. So I can fight this interdimensional threat for our world. I can protect our world. Now, if that's the case, now you've got a guy who's going to be fighting with whoever's leading the party because that's what he's going to want to do. It's like they're going to we're going to go on a mission where we got to, you know, make diplomatic um, you know, we're going on a diplomatic mission to make But there's you know, Meller out there to defeat. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. So he's going to be like, I'm not wasting my time with this. No, you have to do that in the Batman voice. Right. I'm not going to do this. But then you have like Bruce said, which is brilliant, you have the Mr. Men type guy where he's like, man, I don't care about a bigger purpose. I'm just glad to be the baddest mofo on the block. I'll do whatever you guys want to do. Yeah, probably I go get my forks. Right, exactly. Exactly. The blue rouge. <laughs> Why don't you use knives? Oh, that's so droll. But yeah, that that's good. That's too good. That that's very good thinking because, you know, if you if you're playing a super superhero who's like, you know, Johnny Goody Two Shoes, He's going to want to always fight the big bad and the rest of the group is going to be like, dude, we have a mission. You know, we got this diplomatic thing and we've got – it's like I'm not doing that. It's a waste of time. But if you're – again, if you're playing just a low-level guy on one world and he's out here, he's just like, man, I'll do whatever you want to do, man. I, I'm just I'm just happy to be here. Yeah. And th- there is the other option, of course. You know, nothing says you have to start your French Relay campaign on Earth Prime. True. I will use my own campaign as an example. The one I'm running on Friday nights. It is a fringe-worthy D20 campaign. It's the Metro Ambush world where the Pittsburgh airport, there's a, a warp there, and fringe pirates came through and gunned down everybody, then left. That world was locked down for a reason, because it had to do with ambient mana flow. I've since introduced magic. The fringe pirates had a master meller among them with a rainbow key, and so they unlocked all the portals, came in, did the, the slaughter. There was a techno-organic satellite orbiting above Earth monitoring when those portals would open made by the Termeller. That techno-organic satellite started teleporting random fringeworthy up and genetically augmenting them and then woke them up and said, guess what, you got to protect your world. These characters now are the premier superheroes on their planet almost a year game time later. I started that as a superhero campaign, but I made it fringe-worthy because I hooked the portals into it. So they've since used the portals to travel throughout their own galaxy. They haven't done the alternate or other worlds yet. They haven't gone to other nodes because they realize we're protecting our universe from not only the stuff that's in it, but stuff that may come through these portals. They've since found key and locked down five out of eight of the portals. Yeah, so they're going to the system and star portals then. Yes, one of the characters actually used the star portal to shave a little time off of a very long light speed trip. But yeah, um, because I, as I said, I used uh, Powered Hero Evolution from Scorch Earth Studios, and there is a hyper flight power. Their powers are all due to genetic augmentation and nanites, and I made it biological nanites. Viruses. Yeah, essentially. Because I knew if I used mechanical, regular electrical nanites, fringe paths would cancel them out. They And they have organic technology. They've got bio-organic sin suits, which are like power armor. But they're form-fitting. So yes, I have already made a super-heroic, fringe-worthy campaign not based on Earth Prime. That's cool. You know, another thing we never mentioned... And it's too late to go into it now, but you know you could always play super villains who get onto the French paths. Oh, that would just be creepy. Well, I mean, yeah, they're <laughs> basically just French pirates with superpowers. Then, yeah, sure. You know, it doesn't have to be a hero or a villain. You could have like an anti-hero. You could have somebody like the Punisher. You know, that level of guy where he's not really a bad guy, but you know, he's not Superman always looking to do good all the time. You know, he's he's just. Deadpool, yeah, somebody like that who takes advantage of it, but they're not, you know, they're not, they're not exactly bad guys. I mean, let's face it, most of the characters people play are pretty much kind of sort of bad guys. Yeah, they go around beating up people just because they do something. Right, and, and taking their money and, you know, it's like, well, we killed everybody in the room? Okay, I'll search the bodies. It's like, dude, that's what bad guys do. Yeah. You're rifling through corpses for loose change, yeah. Right, so I mean, you know, if you're playing a guy who's sort of a bad guy, you're probably playing a regular player character. 
Or you kill these poor, innocent, misunderstood... Well, not innocent. You kill these poor, misunderstood orcs and took their treasure from them. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, they're orcs. We killed them. We take their treasure. It's like, that's kind of what bad guys do. <laughs> yeah. Right. Tell it to that poor orc's, you know, children who no longer have anybody to provide food for them. How about his grieving widow? <laughs> yeah. Her, yeah, the, the poor, his poor widow and 200 children. And let's face it, if you're really playing a Norse god, you are part villain from a superhero's campaign. Image did this really great Her- Her- Hercules. Well, they, they actually called him Heracles the way he should be called. But he was awesome. He's a superhero. And he, he beat this guy. And uh, it was in a dragon comic, Savage Dragon. And uh, he's like, I have defeated my foe and now I shall vanquish him. And Dragon's like, no, you can't do that. He's like, he's like, don't tell me what I can do with a guy who's lost to me. It's like, it's my right to take his life. And he's like, no, dude, you can't kill this guy. He's just like, he lost in battle. And it's like, that's what a real, you know, like Norse or, or Greek god would be like. Yeah, they would think yeah. I'm a god. I'm above whatever petty laws you've created. Yeah. It's survival of the fittest. He lost. He should die. No repeat right, right. offenders, yeah. So anyway, I just I just want to bring up his, his potentials for playing somebody, you know, g- going by all the examples we've just given, but not playing essentially a goody two shoes superhero. Yeah, just because you're super powered doesn't mean you're a superhero. You superhero and supervillain are due to your outlook and your morals. And and powers, as I said, it's like a hammer. You can create or you can destroy with a hammer. It just depends on the person wielding it. It's the same thing with a gun. It's the whole thing. Guns don't pill, kill people. People with guns kill people. Right. It's the same with, you know, shooting energy blasts. You can use that energy blast to stop somebody from robbing a woman, or you can use it to, you know, slaughter an innocent. That's the only difference between hero and villain. And here's yeah. the thing about superhero psychology. It often takes just one event to turn a hero into a villain. Or vice versa. Yes. Mm-hmm. Actually, thinking about it, most bureau agents are, I would consider, talented normals. Uh, you know, they're basically all they're, they're all they're all they're all run a, run a Batman's basically when it comes right down to it. <laughs> trained to physical and mental perfection, or as close as they can be for a year. They're trained in how to handle the supernatural. They're more fit. They're more alert. And they have all those toys. Where did he get those wonderful toys? Why didn't you yeah. tell me you had one of these things? Lock, <laughs> gun, bang! Obviously, adding superpowers to your game is going to be a big change to your game, unless we're talking about the late campaign, where, as I said, superpowers are kind of like another form of gadgetry or whatever that's already out there. So as a GM, it's probably a really good idea for you to introduce superpowers to your NPCs to your, in your adventures first. This serves two purposes. One is is that it's safer because you haven't given it to the players, and then if it doesn't work out, you you know you don't have to be the bad guy taking them away. And secondly, you can find out whether or not the characters are even jazzed by the concept. They may not like it. They may not want you know the, any uh, chocolate in their peanut butter. Well, I mean, if you let's face mm-hmm. it, if you're sitting there got nothing but automatic weapons and body armor, and here's a guy throwing lightning bolts at you, and he's not casting spells, they may not like it anyways. <laughs> what are you doing, man? Oh, we're doing. We were fighting French pirates a week ago. Yeah. Right. Well, this could be a French pirate. I think the idea of throwing a superhero into a French pirate situation is an excellent idea. That would be just something where these heroes. I mean, if they were to, yeah, because if they, if they want to, they'd be like, well, wait a minute. This guy's a, a throwing lightning bolts, and he's near this area. We need to find out how to be able to do that. And that'll really, that might entice the players, oh, okay, we need to find out how we can do this, because that, that was pretty cool. Granted, we were running for our lives screaming like little girls, but... We want to. I would pay to see you do that, Trash. (laughs) And it also follows along with lore because if you go the way most people do, at some point in the early campaign, you kick the butts of the local fringe pirate warlords. They retract. They get out of your area. You're free to go around and do other things. Well, maybe they didn't. They retract. They they re entrench. They said, okay, you know, we can't 
take it to IDET. They've gotten too strong. Time to call in the specialist squad, the troubleshooters, to go and solve this problem for us. And so they go out and they find a supervillain group that acts uh, amongst the fringe cultures as people who solve problems, who disrupt the status quo, and they set, and they go in, and now you have to deal with this group of people that are for hire. Or, you know, they're the super-powered people that have, you know, that they have a few of in the French pirates, and they've been busy dealing with other issues, and now they're going to send them over to your little piece of the fringe path, and you're going to have to deal with some super-powered French pirates. Yep. Yep. I think we, once again, have as Blick so eloquently puts it, killed the subject. <laughs> I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah. Clear. Horse, horse okay. feet. Yeah. All right. Superheroes in Fringeworthy is an interesting new avenue to bring about the wonders that are out on the fringe paths. You can either add a superhero to an existing Fringeworthy campaign. In that case, you have to, you know, the game master has to way how it may unbalance a campaign it may unbalance player or character group cohesion or as in my own campaign you can even make the campaign all superheroes and they discover the fringe paths either way superhero is just having superpowers to use bruce's parlance is another form of chocolate to add to the peanut butter now if you have any questions on superpowers in Fringeworthy or Bureau 13 or any of the other games, please contact us on the Bureau 13 Agents Everywhere Facebook group, Fringeworthy RPG Fans Facebook group, Fans of the TriTech Podcast Facebook group, the Yahoo groups that are up for the various games, and also at the site where you get this podcast from, tritechsystems.podbean.com. We will be more than happy to answer your questions, accept suggestions, such as the aforementioned Paul Nunez does. Mm -hmm. Um, By all means, let us know what you think of this episode and any ideas you might have, campaign ideas, and based on the rules, you know, we'll be more than happy to answer any of your questions. Mm -hmm. So that is it, folks. Until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying... There are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Amber. It's all fun and games until the DM rolls a one. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.